You're listening to the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. Now, here's your host, Dean Harris. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. I am your host, Dean Harris. I am with Crestcore Realty over on Summer Avenue. Appreciate you guys tuning in this morning here on Facebook Live. Um, we always enjoy having guests on there. If you guys have any questions during the show, be sure and uh, type those in. We'll try to we'll try to look at them during the break and get those answered for you. Um, we post the show um, right after we're finished on our Facebook page. But really, if you if you will go to the, our YouTube channel, uh, Crestcore Real Estate Hour, and uh, you can find all the recordings uh, that we've done in the past. You can check those out at your own uh, at your own leisure. Um, the show's Facebook page is the Crestcore Real Estate Hour, and the YouTube channel is the uh, Crestcore Real Estate Hour. Same thing; you can search them both. Uh, the Crestcore Real Estate Hour guys concentrates on investing in Memphis uh, and West Tennessee real estate, and we will focus on all those related topics. I'll discuss local and national investment trends as well as give you an inside look at what it takes to become an investor, or what it takes to become a bigger and better investor here in Memphis and West Tennessee. Uh, remind you guys every single show that I am that investor as well. So if you have an old home that you need to sell quickly, you could have inherited it. Uh, it could be burned down. I don't really care the condition or the location. Uh, if it's something you need to sell fast, you just need it off your hands. Uh, shoot me an email, dean at crestcore.com, and I'll get you a cash offer on that home today. I uh, also want to invite you to go to our brokerage website. It is www.crestcorerealty.com. That's www.crestcorerealty.com. Brand new website that we've got up that's launched, um, all kinds of uh, features on there. You can make offers on our website. You can see all of our listings that we've got on there with all the details with each one of them. So I really encourage you to go to uh, that website, crestcorerealty.com. Um, last week on the show, I was out of town. Dan had uh, a buddy of his, Hunter, is it Hewley? Yeah, Hunter was in town, and um, was I know that was a great show, and you always love having him mm -hmm. on. So, Dan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, good morning. Thank you for filling in uh, yeah. last week. So let's... A little harder being in that seat. Yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> it took me about six months to where I felt halfway yeah. normal doing it. So, yeah. All right, so today we're going to discuss. we got two different topics we're going to talk about today. The first one uh, I definitely want to concentrate on because a lot of people ask me, what are the different ways that you can earn money with real estate? So we're going to talk ten ways. Uh, 10 ways to make money in real estate. There's all different types of, uh, programs, um, uh, ways, um, people have gotten real creative over the years, uh, to come up with different, uh, different ways, but let's talk, let's just dive right in. We'll talk mm -hmm. about the first one, wholesale and real estate. It's, uh, it's very popular in Memphis. Yeah. We have, um, I would say we close four to six deals a month with our local wholesalers. Um, and, and it's been around for a long time. When was your first experience with wholesaling? And then we'll talk about what it is. And it goes back all the way to early two thousands, but there weren't that many doing it back then. Yeah. You know, it was a, a few signs here and there, a few guys doing it. Jerry yeah. Woods comes to my mind, you know, he'd been around that long. Yeah. But he's in Massachusetts now, but yeah, you know, now you got people coaching yeah. and, and kind of pyramid, the you know, kind of pyramid set up to where yeah. coaching others yeah. and, you know, they Which all I've make never money figured together. that out, by the way. I know we have a close a guy we're close to Rico yeah. who does that. I've just never figured out why. Yeah, this is just a casual, just conversation yeah. topic. But why the, the like? I would never. I might teach somebody how to get into real estate, but I don't know that I'd want to give my trade secrets out on how I'm um, selling houses and how I do it. But um, that's Which Rico is, giving back, I guess. To, yeah, to giving his, back, and and he sees the. You know, I mean, it's kind of like this radio show. We we share all yeah. our secrets and all yeah. the things we messed up on, and you <laughs> know, it's 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 easier said than done. Yeah. So he just sees it as a way to you know make residual income and help others, and he yeah. makes a little bit. You know, those guys do a few deals with him, and then they go off on their own. Yeah. So he lets them go. What after two or three? Probably two or three, four or five, something like that. Just yeah. depends on the in the investor. I mean, the wholesaler, but you know, it's the easiest barrier of entry of any. I think that we're going to talk about today. You think this one is? Yeah. I mean, You're you can right. you can knock on a door yeah. and say, would you like to sell your house? You know, that you don't cost. need a real estate license. You don't no. need anything to be a wholesaler. No. You just need a piece of paper of a contract that says, yeah. I'm going to buy this house and <laughs> with the potential to sign it and, yeah. you know, leave it at that. And so, you know, they call it driving for dollars, you know, so you're, you're driving around, you're looking for that house with, you know, two foot tall grass and board up windows and, oh, yeah. 
um, no power, you know, some key signs and of of a dilapidated house. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the I saw a chart. Bigger Pockets did a chart one time that was really good. It showed the, um, you know, the amount of work. This is this is the one that probably requires the most amount of just hustle yep. and physical labor and legwork and number of calls. And it can possibly be the most rewarding. It can be, yeah. There's a lot. There's a reward mm-hmm. to it, but um, and there's only a few that we've seen that can take it from a full time job to where they put systems in place, you know, to not do all that. Just a handful. I got two or three guys that I know that wholesale that have it down pat. Yeah, there's probably more, but I mean, like. They're not going to see every house. Uh-uh. They're not taking all the calls. Yeah, they they're not good. mailing out the postcards. They got it all automated and good system set up. They're just basically, you know, analyzing the deal to put the rubber stamp on it and showing up at closing and, you know, moving the checks around. So, so in, in a nutshell, what wholesale is, guys, you don't, you don't, like I said, you do not have to have a real estate license. You don't have. There's no governing body, so it is a little bit like the wild, wild west, but. Uh, you can mail a lot of people do mailers and knocking on doors. And if they want to sell their home, you try to uh, get that home at a, at a cheap price uh, below clearly way below market value. You'll market it out there to your buyers or to real estate agents or whoever it may be. Um, you know, example, let's say you lock up a house for 20,000. Uh, it's probably worth, let's say 35 or 40 as it sits, you sell mm-hmm. it for 30, you're going to pocket the $10,000. That's a wholesale assignment fee. Yeah. Um, I can, I can definitely point you in the right direction if you've ever thought about wholesaling, but, um, this is one of the ways that you can generate, uh, or or get into the business. And what I've seen, um, our buddy Spencer has really done a good job with Mm -hmm. wholesaling and then turning that into other opportunities, other opportunities, whether he's going to flip it or hold it for his own rental portfolio or whatever it may be. And to me, that's the smart, once you get a base foundation of income down, right. If I were a wholesaler, that would be the route that I would take. That's right. a, it's a great way to find cheap properties, uh, flip properties. I mean, he's, um, you know, of course he's not the only one, but there's several guys out there that have capitalized on doing that because it used to be none of the wholesalers would keep it. They all right. they, they all would try to sell. It. There was That's never right. a thought. And I guess you know one of the things we'll talk about down here is loaning money is the reasons why maybe now they can keep it because there's That's guys right. out there hard money loaning to some yeah. of these guys. So that, that, that's, we'll on that. Yeah. that definitely helps them. Um, you know, I think what, you know, one of the cons that I would rec- also say is just, mm-hmm. you know, I did say you could get in it fairly cheap, but to systematize it and get volume and not just one house every two months. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you'd probably be looking at if you just drove by and just knocking on doors, you're not going to get yeah. like a high volume yeah. to get high volume. You're going to spend money yeah. on either calling people uh, postcards, all that kind of stuff. So yep. you mentioned like a $10,000 assignment fee. I would say 30% of that probably goes back mm-hmm. into the business when you, or maybe oh, more. I, I, well, 30% goes to uncle Sam. That's true. You want to stay out of jail. Yeah. And then you've probably got another 20 to 30% that you need to, to dip back into your business. Right. So you're left with three or four, four grand. 4, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a good little haul, but at the same yeah. time, it's not, I've got 10 grand now. Let's go have fun with it. You definitely got to create a business out of it. So it, it's not as bright. It's bright and shiny, but it, it's not as bright and shiny as it appears sometimes. Well, and I would say just a tangent on it. I think that, that us as buyers out there and our investors that listen to our show, like then you understand like just that math we just told you that they, they see this $10,000 assignment fee and say, Oh my gosh, I can't pay that guy 10,000. They get all wrapped up and yeah. the guy making $10,000 off of you. And it's like, uh, he's not really making ten thousand off of you, you know. No. Like he's he's making several thousand. Yeah, you're paying ten thousand, but he didn't make it. He didn't make it. That's a difference. Yeah, there's a and people don't difference. understand. They just think that they lucked upon a house. They yeah. didn't see that they've talked to hundreds of people and went, went and met with ten or twenty. Yep. and got down to this one assignment fee. I mean, think about. I mean, hours. You know, we probably should have a wholesaler in here to kind of walk us through that. But I, I would imagine you're spending. 20 plus 20, 30 hours per that deal if just to get have, it to just your personal that's time. Right. If you don't have a system set up, you're definitely spending that Correct. many hours on it. Right. If you've got a system set up and you're down the road a little further, you're probably not. But to start it, you can't, I wouldn't imagine you're just going to start it and have systems in place. Mm-mm. You've got to adapt to what, to what's coming down the pipe to build those systems around it. Yep. Yep. Um, so wholesaling is one. I can, I'm definitely able to answer any more questions you guys might have about that one. But uh, number two, fix and flip. This yep. is popular. If I get if I get any phone call from an investor that's not an experienced investor, the mom and pops, mm-hmm. they always use the word flip. 
Yeah. I want to flip a house. I want to flip a house. Yeah. And they watch HGTV, see this glamorous, you know, Chip and Joanna. What's he call it? It's demolition day. Demo yeah. day. Demo day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, fix, fix and flips are, so this goes back to me. This goes back to the wholesalers. Like we used to be able to find a lot of fix and flips. Mm-hmm. That there were opportunities to flip a home that would come across our desk a couple of times a week. Now you might not want every one of those, sure, but you got those opportunities that you would say, "Hey, that's in Germantown, or mm-hmm. that's in East Memphis. Let me look up the comps. Let me see." Now, if I get two in a month, that's that's extremely good because mm-hmm. it goes back to what I was just saying about these wholesalers that are finding properties cheap, they're able to get those hard money loans and do it themselves. Yeah. Kudos to them for figuring that out. But, um, but fix you know, and flips are, yeah. are definitely a popular choice. Yeah. And I think the, to your point, you know, I think we see a lot of first time investors, their, their, their mindset is I'll fix and flip a few, take yeah. the cash and then go buy some rentals. And quite honestly, out of, Hundreds of people I've talked to, I can only think of one or two that really done that. Done that. It's because because it because patience. A lot of patience. You know, you're taking a lot of risk. You know, we we you know we're with working with a lady right now that we you know bid a job on and didn't get it for a flip that she did, and she's wanting she needs you know fifteen or twenty thousand more out to, to finish it off because she just had this aspiration that she could do it on the cheap mm. and um you know but if you're gonna do it right and get it sold. You've quickly, got to. you got to spend the money. So because it's so people are so desperate. I mean, desperate now for good quality stuff. They're not. They're paying a high dollar, but they're demanding. They're demanding quality. a whole lot with it. Yep. that's so, exactly right. You know, I think you got, you know, you got exposure. You got time. You got holding costs. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the market. You know, what if you know, What if something happens that, uh, you know, uh, another tariff comes that affects housing some way somehow with wood or steel mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Like, which is extremely possible. Uh, uh, roofing is tied to uh, gas. I don't know if people realize that, but roofing is tied to, you know. Um, Why is that? Because that's what they make the shingles out of. It's part of the process. Yeah. That's exactly right. So that drives up shingles. I mean, shingles are so much more expensive than when I first started this business. Yeah. And only because of you know gas costs. Gas costs, and so all it takes is that one. I mean, that's actually you know if you want to hear a quick story. Sure. That's how Doug and I got started in property management. These guys in St. Louis, they were, you know, they were buying houses in Memphis left and right, fixing them, flipping them, all was going great, and then <laughs> boom, market turns. Market turns. They're 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 sitting on it was thirty something houses that they were flipping. They were flipping at one time, and so now one or two, you know, you can wade through that, convert it to a rental. Yeah, but thirty will break you. Yeah, so we had to go in there and just you know spend their money, get them fixed up rent them and then you know they just turned into rentals for the you know uh, really ever since then you know because you know just kind of stayed that way but you know they got stuck no 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 we Uh, end up buying buying them from them buying them from them over time because they just they had to get out they'd they'd bled themselves in so many different ways yeah because the market shifted on when the good was good but when it gets bad you know something you know because that's you know same thing with building houses, you know, it's kind of the same. And that's what I've told. I, I've got, I've got some investor clients that I talk to and, and, and that have an extensive portfolio. And I, I often tell them to, to make sure that they're not overextended. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, even though it's going good, that that's fine, but it isn't always going to stay like this. It's not going to stay this good all the time. It's just not, mm-hmm. it's going to, mm-hmm. we're going to have some ups and downs. Now I doubt we get back into a 2009 and 10 scenario or eight and nine again. I wouldn't think, but you don't ever know. I mean, yeah. if you talk to if you talk to agents that have been in it for thirty plus years, they'll tell you that we're due for it again, mm-hmm. because they say it happens about every ten to twelve years. You've got some kind of dip. Now, the one in eight and nine was dramatic. That right. was like it reminds me of hurricane season. Mm-hmm. If you live in the Gulf or you live in Miami, you're gonna get a hurricane at right. some point. It's just is it Katrina or is it another one that's not quite as bad? bad so right. you, you're gonna you're gonna run into that. So it. Just be careful when you fix and flip that you're not overextending. But uh, some of your notes here, big profit. Um, it's fun. You know, a lot. Of, you know, you can get your wife involved, yeah. and you can, you know, stuff like that if that's what you want but, to. But it, but it's another full time job unless you it systematize is. it and scale it. Mm-hmm. If you're the person that's going to do 
a ton of the work yourself. You're going to yep. piecemeal subs and not have a GC because mm-hmm. adding that GC layer adds, you know, thousands of dollars to your overall budget. Yep. And those thousands of dollars when you're first starting out mean a ton. Yep. That's, you know, you putting food on the table versus not, you know, paying all your other bills and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you got to decide what you're going to do, what you're going to do, what's your long-term plan. You got to yep. have a vision of where you want to go. If you're, if you're going to do one or two, you know, a year, I mean, that's, you know, and I got a buddy, a college roommate of mine in South Carolina that does it. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, does a couple of year, but I mean, they're in there sanding floors and they're doing, you know, all that work and mm-hmm. uh, they make some good money, but they, they got a ton of sweat equity in it. So yeah. that to me is a way to create some extra, you know, residual or not residual, uh, extra income above and beyond your W-2 wage. Yeah. So it's a whole nother level to take it to where it's your full-time job. That's right. You know, I think these first two are definitely can be full-time jobs. I mean, I don't think you can fix and flip a house while you have an eight to five and pay proper attention to it without hiring a contractor or somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can. I've tried, I've, I've done it <laughs> and I, I was barely able to hang on to it and I'm in the business. Right. Right. So, I mean, if you're not in the business and you're trying to GC it yourself, essentially it is a tough road. I mean, I, I'll even tell you this. I did it myself and had stuff stolen. I remember that because yeah. I didn't do it right. I didn't, there was something I didn't, I didn't protect an AC unit yeah. and I didn't do something else to secure the home up. And I had, there was theft. So I mean, yeah. and, and that was my fault. Whereas if I'd have had somebody doing it, you know, it might've been a wash because of the expense, but still, right. uh, you know, you got to be careful with, with how you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm talking with Dan Butler, Crest Core Realty this morning. We're talking about 10 ways to make money in real estate. We talked about wholesaling, uh, fix and flip. And the next one is my favorite course yeah we talk about it the most yeah uh buy and hold mm-hmm. uh i would say out of out of my clients 90 percent of them are buy and hold clients i do have a few that, are, that stick to flipping um and, and do some other loaning and things like that but buy and hold is my is my my main one it's what i'm in it's what mm-hmm. you're in mm-hmm. um what are some of the ups and downs of buying and holding you know i think buy and hold to me is a long-term play, very long-term. Mm-hmm. I think it's wealth creation at the, at the, you know, core. Yep. You know, I think that, that you know, for me, red flags when I hear somebody going to buy, I'm going to buy 10 and I'm going to quit my job and live off the cash flow. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you know, I've been doing this a long time and that's risky. It's, it's, you know, the cash flow is just tough. When, if you're in, if you're in a building mode with buy and hold, there is no cash flow left. You know what I mean? Because you're going closing cost, uh, extra rehab, uh, you know, just. I haven't paid myself any money from my rentals since I've had them. Yeah, just putting, paying down the print. Now, you're making money on principal. You're having some tax, you know, there's tax advantages. Um, It's definitely why we're in this business. You know, that's what we started in 01, buying and holding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's very broad. I mean, you can get into so much, you know, if I think about, you know, wholesale, fix and flip. You can single family, multifamily, condos, duplexes, retail strip, uh, you know, single, you know, triple net office, yep. you know, um, industrial, mobile homes, Airbnb, self storage, land. I mean, like it just, it, it goes on and on. I mean, you know, like there's, oh, there's a hundred things you could do to buy and hold the yeah. self storage. I heard is a cash cow. No, yeah. We know some guys in it. I mean, it's hard to get in it, you know, but once you're in it and get it kind of figured out, you know. Again, it's it's that focus. What part's hard on it? Finding the right land. You know, the cost to build is yeah. is right now is really high because yeah. all you're talking about is a tin can. That's it. You know, and the rent you charge on that tin can is not much. You know, you're not talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think of uh, an eight by ten, like a room, room hundred bucks, hundred bucks, something like that? I mean, it's not much. Mm-mm. Now, so, temperature control is a little bit different, but yes. there's a big, there's a, a higher expense for the owner. Yeah. With that as well, but yes, you can do some climate controlled storage, but I that's a little higher, a couple hundred, but it's, it's not rent. Yeah, it's not like paying rent mm-hmm. on a home. Now, there's no cost. I mean, like I said, no cost, limited cost. You got you know utility lights for the outside and yep. maybe a security gate to keep it secure. Yeah, with the code access, you got to kind of keep operating. You know, the issue is, you know, a lot of the big boys, um, hedge fund, private equity. They've you know you got Storage USA and. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the green one, extra space storage yep. or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, you're seeing those guys pop up everywhere, and they've they've got a lot of money behind them. So for guys like you and I, it's tough. To it's compete. a tough. It's a tough. Uh, you know, you 
those are in the hundreds and hundreds of units mm-hmm. per location. You really would have to be in the 50 to 100 or 150 small little yeah. storage facility. Does that make sense? Where yep. you don't need an on-site manager and all that stuff. No, so. they've gone away. So the tech, I had a, the, another real estate company I worked at years ago. I knew one of our brokers there had, um, he's got, I think, 300 boxes. That's what he called them. Mm-hmm. And three 350 maybe, I think. Um, and he's had them for forever. And he bought them from a guy that was getting out of the business, so he didn't have to figure out the land and all that. But what he told me, too, is it's, we can get away from this. This yeah. is just one of the areas. But they got away from having an on-site uh, person, employee. Mm-hmm. It's all electronic. Yeah, okay. The gates, everything, the code, they give you like a little key card or something. You can get mm-hmm. into it. Um, you, you register online. You pay online. They assign you a number of a yeah. vacant one online. It's all gone uh, digital, text. Tech, yeah, digital yeah. and all that. So, but well, single family. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, what's your favorite out of all these? Well, we of course, about? single family retail. I mean, single family residential is what I'm. My, my favorite. I guess my second would probably be multifamily. Um, okay. I, I've thought about getting into some multifamily. I haven't yet, but I've 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 thought about it. And then I guess backing out of the stuff that I already do. Um, Office space is attractive. I mean, that that's a, or appealing to me, um, especially with long term tenants. So Randall Weatherall, our mm-hmm. commercial and multifamily specialist, is is dealing a whole lot with this. And you know, he'll come in. What do you think of this deal? And like, you can buy Starbucks. And they got thirty year leases on it. So I mean, like, if you buy it, you're in it. You know what the cash flow is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people are still buying $6 cups of coffee. So, I mean, that, that was appealing mm-hmm. low, low, uh, you're very passive, right? You don't have anything to do with that. You got to pay the taxes and collect the check. Yeah. That's essentially it. So that's appealing. Now it's big money to get into that. I think that the deal that we were looking at at the time, I think it was 1.7 million for the, the Starbucks mm. and it's just the land. See, Starbucks comes in or these companies, a lot of them come in and they build the facility on your land pay you triple net lease and that's mm-hmm. that's how it, that's how it's done so mm-hmm. anyway i guess office what about you what what's your what's your top you know for for our listeners to you know i think that and we're, hopefully we'll get to this topic we might have to save it for next week about low income properties you mm-hmm. know uh, c minus type stuff but mm-hmm. the the most people get into it buying those 15 20 30,000 dollar houses yeah and then they just gradually upgrade over time and and I could see Douglas and I's progression. You know, we we literally, I spent, you know, 30 minutes on a spreadsheet this morning and you start looking at what's not making money for us on the property side yep. and it's that low end stuff. And so what we'd like to do is just start slowly over time, divesting of that, you know, yep. maybe giving somebody else an opportunity to, to make, get in, to get, get, going. In, get going. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to lose money overall on it, but yeah. um, it's, it's, it's just, it's a way to get in, and then you slowly upgrade. And I can see where you go single family, then from a C to B to A, potentially to, to multifamily. Yep. The problem with multifamily is, you know, the A type properties, again, private equity kind of sucks those up only because they'll take a five cap. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, because the market's giving them one and a half. Yeah. So they so take they a five it. cap, whereas you and I are not going to, I wouldn't invest anything that's going to give a five cap. That yeah. just doesn't. Make any you know, sense we'd rather invest 10. something else, you know, risk yeah. it on doing something else. And so we are quote unquote pushed into more of that B minus C plus C minus apartment type situations where the rents are 300, 400, five, you know, 550 is probably our average cost on apartment rents for a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. kind of the norm in Memphis, what in the Whitehaven, no matter where it's Berkeley, uh, An apartment, two bedroom apartment, no matter where it's at, pretty much is getting you five five hundred to five fifty. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, people are pushing you know some limits on that and doing some you know cool stuff in certain pockets where they're adding washer and dryers, adding stainless steel appliances, doing some stuff like that. That's actually helping. You know. Yeah. Then you so, got to keep up with all that stuff. But I mean, I think you know I still want to. I mean, just throwing it out there, I still want to invest in mobile homes. I just haven't found <laughs> you know. But that's okay. again, that's a lot of work up front to get it ginning. Because if you buy something that's like running well, they're gonna want a premium, and the cap rates just don't make sense. You need to buy something like either get, the raw land that's kind of got the lot set up, 
Somebody's already spent the money on the plumbing and the yeah. and the water, and for some reason it's just not running. Yeah, yeah. I, I would do something like that, but I, I just can't see. You know, um, it's I, it's too hard right now to buy. I, I know a guy in Mississippi that's got about two hundred of them, and hmm. uh, he bought. They were all FEMA trailers. Oh my goodness! From Katrina, sucked them up probably five thousand a piece or something. Oh man, they got the points where he was getting them for a thousand. Thousand. See, that's the cool. You know, play- and he had the land. He has a family land. Yeah. So he was going and buying these for a thousand bucks, sticking them on this land and creating. You know, he had to do there's some legwork with oh, yeah. developing the land developing. for it, but it's not nearly as intense as developing for a subdivision. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're developing for something a lot easier, a lot easier. And they're thousand dollars. I mean, they were three bedroom, one bath uh, trailers that he was getting wow. six hundred, six twenty five on. That's what I love the Clayton, Mr. Clayton. Yeah, his, his story created Clayton Mobile Homes and yep. got by Warren Buffett and you know. Uh, <laughs> He he made a a life out of building and you know owning mobile home parks and selling mobile homes. But yeah. Anyway, all that has to say, buy and hold. That's that's so many opportunities and so many. You, know, you just gotta you gotta pick a lane and kind of stick to that lane. Yeah, I would for a while. Get yeah, good at it get and then you can it. branch off. That's and right. Home. You know, think about fix. I was just thinking about my kids when I look at those t- number two, number three. You just said it. Uh, you know, two three's been my you know. My baby, what I love to do, buy and hold. I don't like selling anything. Just yeah. a house hoarder is one of my mentors called me, just jokingly. <laughs> but when your when your kids say, you say, hey, you ever want to do, you know, buy houses? Oh no, Dad, your dad, your houses stink. They want to buy, do like <laughs> fix. They want to flip, flip houses like uh, they don't Chip and Joanna. Yeah. You know, that's all they see, and that's what that's kind of what you ought to be careful of. Just just do a whole lot of research before you dive into that fixing flip because. Uh, Chip and Joanna and those things. I mean, that, that's all set up. I mean, that's a. I, I know they can do it, but it's made to look easy for them. Uh, that is a television show. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, just keep a whole lot of that in mind. But yeah, yeah, it's one of the more popular ones. All right, so loaning money. Number four, loaning money is becoming more and more popular. Um, yeah. I'm always hearing both sides of the tale of, hey, I'd love to, you know, loan, and then I've, I've, I've get a whole lot of. Man, I wish I could find, or not wish, but I'd like to find a solid lender for a decent rate. You know, that's not a bank, that's not, um, you know, traditional institution where you would go get it from. And yeah. they're out there. Um, uh, you know, it's, you know, I've always, well, I, you know, when we talk about buy and hold, I always talk about buy right. Yep. Right. Loaning money, if you're going to even consider it. I probably would not consider it if, if if I wasn't in the real estate space to loan to real estate investors. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it's hard you, to understand. You've it. got to know what you know what you're going to do with that asset if things go. You always got to be thinking that way. Every one of these like wholesale, what's the worst that can happen to you? That's probably the easiest one because your assignment just says you walk away, walk away from it, fix and flip. You're stuck with that. You got to complete that or yeah. sell it and bleed off. You know the money you put in it. That's right. Buy and hold. You know, I was joking with somebody the other day. Like, you know, we were talking about the worst case scenario. It was like you said, uh, "Burn to the ground." Yeah. And and I said, "Give it back to the bank." You know. Yeah. Kind of the that's that's your worst case. Yeah. You know, I think with burn to the ground, you actually make some money. You can you know, <laughs> give it back to the bank. You know, you're you're affected for seven years, some way, somehow, with your credit. Credit. Yep. You know, loan of money. You have to uh, loan it right to somebody that bought it right. So your underwriting to that that borrow has to be spot on. You know the riskier you get, you know the 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 it, it just the downside for you. But it, especially if you're not in the real estate space, like I said, I I would really caution somebody to to get into this one without being in real estate. Does that make sense? Like yeah, I, and if it was, I think you, the one thing you have to make sure that you do is that you loan on the asset, not the person. Yes. So if you're, that's where you start for sure. That's where you yeah. start and, and, and make sure, I mean, you need to know a little bit about the house and the market and what's going on. I would concentrate way more on the actual asset and property that you're loaning on versus the person. Now you want the person to, you know, to have some kind of credibility or mm-hmm. to have some kind of, you know, business going already within real estate or whatever it may be. But truth be told is most lenders that people get into this are almost fine with the person not paying. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they want you, ha- you to. have to be, you have to be yeah. that mindset. And if they don't pay, then great. I get to take over a good asset that can make me some yeah. more money and do it this way. But 
you know, of course, you don't get into it to do that. But my point is, is that you, you've got to concentrate way more on the person. I mean, I'm sorry, on the, the asset, asset than you do the person. Whereas if you go to a Wells Fargo or First Tennessee here locally mm-hmm. or wherever it may be, a, a bank, they're, they're looking at, they want you. Yeah. They want to make sure you're going to pay. They can't, they care way less about the actual asset. They want to know your background more, what's yeah. your history and what's going on. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I don't know that I would. Unless you, unless it's just, uh, I got a term for this, but I, it's not a radio friendly term. Unless you got enough money to where it doesn't matter, that you can throw that money you away. Just throw the money away. Yeah. Then I, I would, if you're not in real estate, I would be very cautious on loaning. You know, but to to your point, I wish I'd brought up, and I can, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to me, I find these sites. But there's sites that you can go to, like crowdfunding, yeah, where you can loan money at you know eight, yep. eight, nine, ten percent return, and you're just in a pool of other people that. Somebody's kind of being your um, advocate, your yeah. fiduciary person. Which is to, fine. That's super boring. That's, yeah, that's just a click of a button, move yeah. some money over. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it, but it's a guaranteed, quote unquote, guaranteed return. You know, yeah. There's no guarantee. There that, has to be some kind of fine, fine line writing there that they can wiggle their way out. But yeah, yeah, that's super boring, super passive. But if, yeah. but I mean, if you know, if if you can get in and get, you know, get your right return, then I guess that's all you're looking for. You know, so it's it's. From wholesale to loan money, if you look at that from a just from one spectrum to the other, it's the least amount of work, the least amount of entries on transactions. You just got a principal and interest payment, and yep. then if you got money you borrowed to to loan somebody, you've got a a payment to your bank to pay for that interest. So there's not not much of transactions going on. Um, but like I said, I mean I'm dealing with one guy, a guy right, one of my mentors that uh, he's in Charlotte, you know, now, and and a deal went south on him. He trusted a guy here, really over lent to the guy based on, mm-hmm. you know, market. Uh, market, who he was, like, you know, he, he was just too trusting. Yeah. And he's dealing with, I think it's 18 houses that that haven't been fixed and he's got a ton of money on He's got, a, you know, he's got a, a judgment on him, but he still needs to foreclose on it. So it, it creates a systematic, you know, set of issues. Where are they at? Mostly Frazier. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's looking at your chops, like, hey, where is it? Oh, I was. Yeah. Where are they at? <laughs> Let me call them today. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been, you know, I mean, but this has been a two year two year ordeal with him because you're like, you really don't want the houses because you're in Charlotte, but so you're trying to work with this guy. And anyway, it just creates some some issues that you really need to, you know, can seek we help some him? guidance. Can we help them sell them? <laughs> yeah, working on it. We'll working talk on about it. that yeah, later. Yeah. But. Working on it, but that's just extreme examples. So most loans go well, yeah. you know, but. You're loaning on the asset, but right behind that is character. Yeah. You know, you're you're wanting to find out how, you know, has the guy done it before? What's some, you know, because just like we talk about with tenants, to, with the clients, like you loan somebody some money, like when stuff hits the fan, mm-hmm. you know, or they go into a foundation issue that's 10000 more than what they budgeted, yep. how are they going to react? Are they going to leave you sitting with that foundation? Are they going to trudge through it and work, communicate and work through it? So that's what you got to really think through when you're, you know, getting yeah. into that space. So, uh, number five, buying notes. Um, yep. This is our Dave Van Horn. You know, yeah, he was on our show yeah, a month right. or two ago, and that so was how he. How he's that's his, his full time. Yes, yeah, that's, that's his full time. You know, gig along with a hundred side gigs. But <laughs> what? Well, explain to our clients and our listeners here, our investors, what buying notes is. Yeah, so you know, a lot of the local banks they loan to us, but then they sell they sell that note off. To somebody. Everybody out there has bought a home. You went to First Tennessee or Bank Corp South or whatever, and the next thing you know, you're getting a statement from City or yeah, West Fargo else. or yep. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Dave says it really well. I'm going to botch this a little bit, but he just, he basically just boils down to we're all, if you're, if you're in real estate and you own rental property, you're in the note business. That's for sure. You know what I mean? Like you are in the note business. You, you are, on the one side of that note business, yep. but that to your point now allows you to see, you know, oh wait, they sell that off. So somewhere down the stream, some of these banks will sell off the 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 ones that aren't uh, paying well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or um, somebody sells off second mortgages, which is a whole other conversation. We probably yep. could spend an hour on that, like whether to do that or not. But you know, it's and it's a cool deal because you you have access to that house again. It's kind of Kind of, kind of similar to loaning money. Yeah. In that, you could foreclose on that house. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't, you know, 
what I've seen most people do is buy notes, probably reconfigure that note with that borrower, like re, uh, what they call modify it yep. and make the terms where that, that owner of the house that you've got the note on, you've readjusted it so that you make money, but you know, hopefully they're going to succeed yep. and you start getting that residual check to pay down your investment. Yeah. You know, um, but a percentage of those are going to go bad. And so if you're buying a note from, you know, we're here and we're buying them in South Carolina. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What's your exit plan? Who, who's your team to handle it? That's where I've seen a lot. Of, we, when we first got in this business, mm-hmm. we had people from out of state, California, buying notes in Memphis. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they had. They just bought, you know, a bunch of notes and then they owned the houses. And then all of a sudden you got a pile of, you know, junk. You know what I mean? Like they just, and they need to order a BPO to find out what it's for. Oh, I'm very familiar. Right. Yeah. You, you were on that with the BPOs for years. Yep. So yep. you saw that side of it. I mean, and, and, and when, when, when the market crashed, Wells Fargo, City, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, all these, all these note buyers had portfolios of property here in Memphis mm-hmm. and everybody in the cities for, you know, is late. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, so I mean like they don't know what they have. They all they want to find out what it is. So yes, that I'm I'm familiar with those buying notes. I would suggest you be a very very strong um wealth cash flow investor to get into buying notes. Yeah, just yeah, be careful. Um read Dave Van Horn's book on note investing. There's there's yeah. several Facebook groups out there that focus on note investing. So there's definitely it's a passive it's definitely a passive uh, investment as well. Yeah. Um, and there's service providers that actually tee up notes for you. Yeah. That show you, you know, what your return is and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, I, I played around with that a while back and kind of looked at it. You, you really need to do your the house looks all nice and pretty, you know, but you really need to do your due diligence. What? Why? Why? Why are they even? Why is this note for sale? That's always you my know? question. It's like, why? What? What is the issue? Otherwise, the person would be keeping it. Right. So there. You're buying somebody else's junk and hoping to turn it into something good, right? <laughs> yeah. But there's a risk reward on that too. You're buying at a discount and all that stuff, so they're willing to give up something, you know, for you to take it on. That's so. right. Uh, next, public and private REITs. Yep. Real estate investment trust. Trust. Yep. That's uh, where everything, you know, multifamily's been that set up for years. There's starting to be more of that single family. We just had an investor that uh, bought a turnkey investment, and it just, you know, he bought a low end investment property, mm-hmm. not through us. Mm-hmm. And just every little thing that, I mean, he got AC units stolen, oh. break-ins, you name it. And I remember I just, I, I should probably print that email and like frame it. Like he's like, man, real estate investing, buy and hold is not for me. I'm gonna go invest in a REIT. <laughs> and so, but there's a place for that. You know what I mean? Like he emotionally could not st- you know, handle the ins and outs of one house and all the drama and emotion, you know, you know, that's why I don't have any hair now, you know, like just all these years of working the property management, owning property, but Dealing it's a very passive, you're, 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 you're probably kind of S and P 500 type return, 8% type deal. Yeah. Um, you're buying into a fund that buys other stuff, other stuff, no control. Yeah. So you got to look at what that REIT's buying is you're an along, office space. You're along for the ride. Yeah. Yep. You're alone for the There's ride. no decisions to be made. You're either <laughs> buying or you know shares or selling shares. That's exactly That's, right. And watching your quarterly report or you know, which statement. I think is the same thing as the market. So I mean, like I think that falls into the market. So I mean, look at and see what returns you're getting. You might as well just yeah. be invested in the market. So yeah, yeah. no, I, those are definitely uh, and, and hedge funds are that. I mean, like when we talk about hedge funds, I mean that's what those are. I mean, people just throwing yeah. money into those things, and, that's right. and those guys buying, you know. Uh, right and left. Uh, yeah. Next year, tax liens. Tax sales, yeah. yeah. Pros and cons of those. I mean, like, of course, we talked about these at length before, but mm-hmm. pros are, uh, you know. Used to be cheap houses. Yeah, not anymore. I mean, now it's like they've gone online. You know, it used to, when, when we first started, you know, Douglas was going down there once every six months, once a quarter. I can't, there, was a, there was a city and a county. Yeah. And, you know, you just held a number up and, you know, we'd walk away. I mean, I still have a house. You know, we still have a house at Berkeley that twelve thousand dollars and wow. same tenant from ten years ago. I've never been in the house. Man, I, I, I gotta tell give you that, some but, of those. Yeah, I know. But the, those are hard to come by now. 
Yeah. You know, and then because they used to be, and explain why, because they went online, so now you can be in Europe, be in and Europe, and Israel, and yeah. you know they're bidding. You know, are these funds that have unlimited funding? You know, the reason we got out of it per se was we were tying up so much money. Yep. Because you now Tennessee laws change. You you know you should wherever you're investing, you should look at what the state law is. But Tennessee just recently changed where if you're three and five years back taxes, mm-hmm. you know, that redemption period, it gets shortened. It used to be a year for everything. And now mm-hmm. some of them are three months, some are six, some are still a year. Yep. So you really need to understand that on the deal, you know, because, you know, it was tough for us to spend, you know, take our line of credit, buy $100,000 worth of property, and then you're paying interest on the 100000 Yep. Now you get, you know, if they redeem, you get interest paid back to you, but yep. you don't want to spend a dime on that house because every dime you, you know, during the redemption period is potential waste yep. because they can redeem it. So you just, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. That's another one that's like, if you want to specialize in it, really research it, you know, meet with people, talk to them about it, talk to lawyers, how do you get, you know, because the other piece of it is, is uh, you can't get uh, title insurance. You've got to clear it. You've got to clear go it. through a period and it's expensive to yep. do it. So you got to make sure. 2000 bucks, quiet title is what it's called. Yep. And so you got to, if you want to put a note on it. Now, if you're, you know, I mean, one of my mentors that has cash, I mean, he should just go buy every tax sale house there is. And, and not just have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about it because he's not going to put a note on it. Yeah. Those kind of, that, that's where it starts making some sense where you're putting cash to work. Um, Buying stuff like that. But, you know, do you want to put that 2000 You know, if you're ever going to sell it, you're going to have to get quiet title probably, you know, because we've had loans that, Groups of houses we had to pull some out because they were under a tax sale or a land bank sale. I lost you know. eight listings uh, last quarter because a guy didn't realize that he had to do that, and he I didn't tell that. me that he bought them at tax sale. We, yeah. we didn't. We found out when we had time to close. Time to close, and oh wait, this title's a little messy. He didn't have twenty grand to clean them all. Is up. he working on that, or did he just kind of said he was? Yeah, right, we'll so he's got to spend sixteen grand to get them up to get them up and get them sold. So that's that's something to be aware of. And then for our listeners, kind of. Next step after tax lien is land bank. Yeah. And so if you want to understand that, you know, get with us. But if it doesn't go at tax sale, city now owns it, county now owns it, then it goes in what they call land bank. Mm-hmm. And then land bank figures out what to, you know, what to do with that do property. It. And usually they have another auction. Yeah. You know, but see if they can sell it there. Our experience there has always been once it gets there, you know, you're down to a stripped house. For sure. Because it's been vacant for so long. Copper is usually gone. Wiring more than likely is gone. You're going to have to pull gas and electrical permits, which means upgrading stuff. So, you know, you're fifteen, twenty thousand on a rehab on something that comes you out of land bank. Real cheap. They're, they're, yeah, you need to be in it, you know, in most areas, five or ten thousand dollars. Max. Max. Yeah. To, to to have some upside. That's right. So uh next one, really you can be a real estate agent. Yeah. That's the greatest. Greatest job in the world. Be Dean Jr. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there's there's lots of different there's ways. Of, Dean. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that true? Uh, there's there's lots of different areas of real estate you can go into if you're an agent. You can um, sell residential. You can mm-hmm. do what I'm doing and sell investment properties. There's all kinds of ways to get into it. I will tell you though, it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing to start out if you're um, if you're not an extremely high self motivated person. It's a commission only job from the very mm-hmm. beginning. So there's no grace period. There's no, yeah. Hey, we're going to pay you a small salary and then you pay us back. There's, I mean, you go get your license and you go start working and hustling. It's going to take some money to put into it. How much um, money would you think kind of startup money besides I, living, just start up like to be an agent? I wouldn't want 20 to 25,000. Is that for living or just that's for the business, for the business, marketing, um, cards, cards, signs, your dues, um, your dues, um, cause, cause what you, the last thing you want to do is get a big, nice listing and you don't have the money to market it properly. Mm-hmm. I would, I would say invest in some training mm-hmm. and I don't mean training over at your local real estate, you know, company with somebody just behind a desk teaching. I mean like some legit personal training. Mm-hmm. Um, I would invest into some of that and then invest in yourself. You know, I mean, I, I know this sounds crazy, but I mean, I would start if you're not, you know, leading a healthy lifestyle. I mean, uh, you gotta have the energy you got to be able to move. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's some ways you can get into real estate. I can I can definitely how, help you with that. How long do you think it takes somebody to actually get some traction a, a for a listener? A year. Mm-hmm. How long do you think your first deal on average? 
three to four months. If you're hustling, three you're to hustling, four months. hustling, probably three to – unless you walk in and you got a relative or something that's going to hand you something right away. But outside of that, um, I would say three to four months where you – and that's – that's on the phone. That's because mm-hmm. you got to understand. I mean, you, you're convincing somebody to take a chance on you when you you don't know what, you done what the anything. hell you're doing. Yeah, you have no idea. So no, it, it's that's why a lot of times it's your friends and family first, and sometimes those are the hardest because they know you just yeah. got in it. You know, I, you got to act like you've been there, and it's easier to act like you've been there with people that don't know you uh, versus people that do. And, you know, a couple things that come to mind when I think about that. I mean, I've had my license for years, never used it. Yeah. Except for access to data, right? You know, um, and just kind of give me a designation to, you know, credibility. Yeah. Um, I would not recommend that. I saw I listened to a bigger podcast of the day that, you know, unless you're selling, if you're selling, he was saying like three to six a year, he probably wouldn't even do a license at that point. It's yeah. not worth the cost and the time and effort yeah. and upkeep and, yeah. you know, and knowing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you really need to be, you know, trying to do several deals a month, building up to that. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's hard to be a part-time real estate agent. Oh, man. You know, because otherwise you're going to just do a bad job. You you're going to do a terrible job. Because you're trying to balance. And they're going to know it right away. Yeah, you know, they're going to feel it, know it, see it. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm with you. I think Whenever uh, you don't answer your phone from 8 to 5 and you call everybody back at 5, between 5 and 5.30. They know something's up. They know something's up. This isn't a full-time yeah, but it's, you. you know, the other thing I'd say is what kind of vision you want to create. Like, and you've seen that you've had this journey, like sitting in model homes. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's eat what you kill. Yeah. You know, and... You know, you got to decide, you know, how many, we, most agents we know, it's all about them. And so, <laughs> you know, if you want a, you know, you're self-employed, you know, if you look at the rich dad, poor dad quadrant, you know, yeah. of employee, you've moved to self-employed at that point, you know, start moving until like you've done with a team. And so like, you can actually take a vacation and things get answered and keep moving. Now they're not moving at the, at the pace that, you know, you would want, you but want, still going. but they're still going They're you know. I used to joke with you and Christmas, you know, you take off and you hang out with your kids and your January is terrible. It has been every year for a long time, you know, like and that's most just, agents are, it didn't, and, that's an industry. Oh thing. yeah. No, J- January, for whatever reason, or December, you can't find it. That's always for me, jokingly, you know, and serious at the same time. I love buying properties in December. Because investors are taking investors off, taking agents, off are agents are gone. You can find some deals real quick. So that's a little tidbit for, yeah. for our listeners. If you I want tell, to get something, I tell them that all the build time. up in December, save some cash and buy if some If you houses. work that week between Christmas and New Year's, if you're working, you'll likely find some kind of deal going. Yeah. Because there's no one else. Nobody else working. Nah, there's no one else working. But, you know, where I was going with that too is just if you want to have, you know, you need to be thinking, do you want to have a full-time job, self-employed, or build a team and be more of a business owner yeah. mentality. And that's just something to think about. As yeah. you, if you pick that as one of these things we've talked about today. Right. You know, right. Uh, we'll, we'll combine these last ones yeah. for time's sake, but property management and contractors, you know, that's, that's something that's right up our alley. We, we do both of those. So, I mean, it, it, you got to have a, a special skill to be a property manager. You got to have a lot of patience. You got to be very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've got to scale. Mm-hmm. You can't make a living off property managing ten houses. Mm-hmm. You can't. You need to make a living off two hundred and fifty or three hundred or four hundred or five hundred houses. That's how I think you could possibly make a living with that. Now we've we're pushing like what three thousand somewhere in yeah. that neighborhood. So I mean we're we're a little bit different than that. And I guess you can speak more to this. But property yeah. management contractors is is a tough one to to break into. Well, property management itself is just you know it's again it's a progression, you know. You see, like a lot of agents became property managers in the downturn because it was a way to create residual income. Yeah. But now the economy's back. Now you're in a conundrum. I would argue, you know, if you are an agent and you are managing, and it's say 50, 60, 70 houses, I would, I would personally slice those off and do something with those houses and go, you know, focus on selling. Yeah. Because, you know, we joke about it all the time. You sell a house, say three thousand dollar commission. We have to manage that house for three years to get three thousand dollars. Yeah. Of management fee income. It's, it's very true. It's a grind, but it is residual income. Yep. You know, and then again, you got to be thinking about, is that, you know, do you want that to be your job? So if you're 100, 200, maybe 300, you, you probably could do it by yourself, maybe with an assistant, yeah. but you're doing a ton of work, you know? A so ton. you have to bust through a certain level to create employees. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so you need to be thinking that if that's a route you want to go and, and, you know, one of my mentors told me a long time ago, he he, he kind of cautioned me about doing property management because he's like, man, you're going from your own boss to like being working boss, for 500. working for 500 people. 
Yeah. And they all are, you know, entrepreneur driven, uh, sophisticated. So expectations are high. Self-centered. Self-centered. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's all about them. Yeah. And your, your job is to, you know, make them happy and make the tenant happy. So Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, like you said, we're running out of time. Contractors, you know, to me, you know, you got to know what you're doing. You know, like (laughs) if you're not skilled, you know, if you don't understand how things are put together, you know, don't even, don't even think about it. You know, you didn't grow up doing it. Just, it's almost like, you know, I wouldn't want to pick this up at 20 years old. Yeah. I mean, this is where that degree, like in construction science or maybe even architecture or project management or engineering, you know, because what you, you got the dichotomy, you got either that or you got somebody that grew up in the business and knows how to fix everything. But making that transition to a business owner is tough. Yeah, because it's not just swinging a hammer. You got a no. business behind it. You, you got to pay accounts payable, accounts receivable, oh, yeah. paying your subs and getting insurance and keeping up with all that stuff. You know, yeah. I, I have tons of conversations with our subs and some of the GCs that we use, and and they're they're all you know cash flow huge issue in you know being a contractor. I mean, that's what people don't understand that you know you put a job out there and you do it. You're waiting for that client to pay you. Oh, He's yeah. got stipulations, but your subs are saying, "Hey, man, I'm not coming to work tomorrow unless I get paid." I get paid, so that money's got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you end up outlaying, no matter how hard you work. I mean, it's really, really tough. And I'm, there's some people that can do it and have done it. Yeah, but you're usually going to be fighting for cash. Yep. You know, one of my best friends, you know, in this industry is, does electrical. I mean, you start, you do hundred thousand dollar project. I mean, it, you quickly become cash trapped broke, broke. Yeah. you know you got your accounts receivable looks really strong but your accounts payable Does you not. know so just just something to think about like i said we we've, we've got a lot of experience with that and and yeah. have tried all kinds of models and <laughs> some work and some don't some, go, some work some don't some work worse than others and <laughs> you know so it's it's right be you know, careful. Be careful. Yeah. Guys, thanks for listening today. We, we Dan Butler with Curse Realties in the studio with me. We talked 10 ways to make money in real estate. Wholesaling, flipping, buying and holding. You can loan money, buy notes, private REITs, tax liens. You can be an agent, property manager. We're going to post this after uh, we're done here on the, on the show's Facebook page and on the YouTube channel. Uh, so you guys uh, be sure to check that out. And then lastly, go to our website, www.crestcorerealty.com. Uh, you can find uh, all of our listings and everything about us over there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next yeah. week.